Allah says, Alam tara, have you not seen? Allah, that indeed Allah anzala, He sent down min as-sama'i from the sky ma'an water. Don't you see that Allah sends water from the sky? And when that water comes, فَأَخْرَجْنَا Then we take out, meaning we produce. Bihi with it, meaning because of that water. What is it that we produce? ثَمَرَاتٍ Fruits. ثَمَرَات is the plural of thamra. And what is thamra? Produce. Sometimes we think that thamra is just fruit. Right? Referring to apples and oranges and grapes maybe. But thamra, it applies to everything that plants produce. Whether it is flowers or seeds or you know, beans or any vegetable or fruit, whatever it may be. So, فَأَخْرَجْنَا بِهِ So many thamarat we produce. And these thamarat, how are they? مُخْتَلِفًا Different. Alwanuha its colors. Alwan is a plural of laun. They're all so different in their colors. They're of varying colors. And remember that the word laun is not just used for color, but it's also used for type. So different types and different colors. And sometimes the color is different because of the type. Right? Like for example, there are apples that are red, and then there are apples that are green, and then there are apples that are yellow, and and there are apples that are brown. Yes, brown apples. The other day I was at a grocery store and I saw brown apples. I'm like, why on earth are they selling rotten apples? <laughs> and then I saw it was russet apples. And when you touch it, it's actually hard. It's a different type. Right? So different colors. And depending on the color, the type is different, meaning the texture, the sweetness, the flavor will be different. Isn't it so? So mukhtalifan alwanuha. Of different colors, different types. Wamin al jibali. And from the mountains also. Meaning in the mountains, there are judadun. Tracts. Tracts that are bidun, white, wahumrun, and red. Mukhtalifun alwanuha. Different are its colors. They are of varying colors. Wagarabi busud, and some are intensely black. Now, what are these words? You see, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is showing us over here the variety that exists in His creation. First, the variety of color, of type in fruits, in produce. And then, secondly, also in inanimate things. Right? Like, for example, mountains are mentioned over here. That in the mountains are judad. Judad is a plural of the word juddah. And Judda from Jim Dal Dal. Jadda, the verb Jadda, not the city Jadda. The verb Jadda, it means to cut off. Alright, to cut off. The word Judda is also used for a riverbank, coast. And this is why the city Judda is, or Jadda is called Jadda because that is where you would have to go in order to board a ship and cross the Arabian Sea. Is it the Arabian Sea? I'm bad at geography. I don't know. So whatever body of water there is, in order to go to Africa, you would have to go to Jeddah. Jeddah. Alright? Because that's where the port is. Alright? So the word Jeddah is also used for a riverbank. Because that is where land is cut off. Alright? Then this word is also used for a streak or a stripe, such as that on an animal, that is different in color from what is around it. 
So for example, a donkey may be gray and it may have a white line on it somewhere. Okay, streak on it. You understand? Okay, like zebras, black and white. But this is about, you know, mainly for example brown and then one white line. Alright? Or one black line. Streaks. Alright? In horses as well. And from this, the word is also used for a path or a road. In a mountain, for example, or through the mountains, or through a valley. Why? Because a beaten path, because people have been walking on it, its color becomes different. It's like a streak. Isn't it? Sometimes from far you can see literally zigzag. Right? Yeah, or from the air also, from a different mountain also, you can see the lines. Alright? So, the word judad, what does it mean? It means that in the mountains there are streaks, lines. Alright? Lines. And it may also refer to paths or roads, or plains or portions which are different in color than the area that is around it. Alright? And these lines, tracks, what color are they? They are bidun. White. Bidun, plural of the word abiyad. Wahumrun. Humrun, plural of the word ahmar. Okay? We don't need to go very far. Just think about granite. Okay? Granite countertops, for example. Do you see varying colors in them? You do. And sometimes literally it's beautiful lines, beautiful patterns. And Jibal mountains, it's rock. And you can see this in mountains also, that for example, if a part of it has been cut off in order to build a road or a bridge or something, then you see all the different colors, literally patterns. And those patterns are made from what? The different color in rock is made from what? What is this a result of? Hmm? Erosion, okay. But also why? Do some research on it. That over time as sand, it settles... And different things, they settle and with all the pressure, what happens? The color becomes different. Or depending on how much heat it was exposed to underground, the color is different. So مُخْتَلِفٌ alwanuha. Even inanimate things, there's creation of varying colors. وَغَرَابِي بُسُود So white, red, and also غَرَابِي بُسُود غَرَابِيب is the plural of غِرْبِيب And غِرْبِيب is that which is intensely black. Alright, the word غُرَاب Ghurab is used for a crow. Because a crow is what? All black. Right? And it's black. It's not like gray or some other color. It's black. Head to toe. Even the beak. Everything. And sood, sood is a plural of aswad. And aswad is black. So gharabi musood, when this is used for something, it is used to express the depth and the intensity of black color. Like for example, we say in English, pitch black. Right? Or jet black. So, غرابي بسود. Extremely black. Different colors. Contrast. So, who made all of this variety? Allah made it. And why did He make all of this variety? Because you see, variety, it keeps your mind working. The various colors also, they keep your mind working. If everything was the same color, what would happen? We wouldn't even notice many things. We wouldn't even observe them. We wonder, we question, we investigate, we research when we see differences. When we see something different, we wonder, why is it like this? It opens up our mind. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has kept this variety in His creation so that we notice it. We wonder, we admire, 
And we recognize Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through that. وَمِنْ أَنْفَامْ النَّاسِ The people وَالدَّوَاب And the creatures Plural of دَاب وَالْأَنْعَامْ And the grazing livestock In them also مُخْتَلِفٌ أَلْوَانُهُ Different are its colors كَذَلِكَ Likewise, similarly Meaning just as mountains, rocks of different colors Their streaks, right? Fruits of different colors Likewise, you will see this variation in color Within people within animals and within livestock also within livestock also like for example white brown black a mix right amongst different animals you'll see every color green purple pink yellow orange i mean every color so all of this variety who has kept it allah has kept it and what is allah subhanahu wa ta'ala telling us over here Innama, indeed only, yakhshallaha, he fears Allah. Who fears Allah? Min ibadihi, amongst his servants. It is al-ulama, the knowledgeable ones. Plural of the word, alim. And who is alim? One who is learned, one who is informed. It is the knowledgeable amongst the servants of Allah who truly fear Allah. Inna Allaha, indeed Allah, he is azizun, he is mighty, he is ghafurun, he is forgiving. And those who have ilm, they know that Allah is aziz and ghafoor. And this is why they fear Him. So all of this variation in the creation, what does it show? There are people who observe this variation. And with this variation, who is it that they recognize? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the more they recognize Allah, that is dependent on what? The more knowledge they have. And when they have more knowledge, they recognize Allah more, and with that, they fear Allah more. So then, what does this ayah show to us? That khashya, fear of Allah, is only in those people who have knowledge. One's fear of Allah is relative to how much knowledge he has of Allah. The more knowledge he has, the more khashya he will have. Less knowledge means less khashya. You see, there are different types of knowledge. But the knowledge that really changes a person more than anything is which knowledge? Knowledge of Allah. Knowing Allah. And how is it that you know Allah? Through His speech? Through His creation? His work? His actions? Because that is when you really know somebody, right? When you know what they've said, what they say, and when you know what they've done, what they do, what their accomplishments are. Right? So, the knowledge that takes one to Allah, that increases one in his awareness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whether it is knowledge of the Qur'an, Qur'an is Allah's speech. Right? The knowledge of the shar, the law that Allah has revealed, and the knowledge of the khalq, the creation that Allah has created. The whole creation is Allah's. So, this knowledge is what humbles a person. You see? Knowledge is not just information, acquiring information. Because information doesn't necessarily change a person. It doesn't necessarily humble a person. Knowledge, al-ilm, is to know and internalize. It is to know and to follow. It is to know as in to understand, to develop awareness, depth of understanding. 
This is why, for instance, one person could be studying the Qur'an as a book of literature, as a book of history. And they can get a lot of information out of it. But if this knowledge they're not internalizing, they're not really understanding, then will they know Allah? And if they don't know Allah, this knowledge is not taking them to Allah, are they going to increase in their fear of Allah? No. Likewise, it could be knowledge of, for example, mountains. Right? Geology, for example. A person is studying this. This knowledge can also take one closer to Allah if a person studies it with the right understanding. Because it's a means to draw closer to who? To Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're studying it with the understanding that this is Allah's creation. This is Allah's khalq. So whether it is you know, biology or anthropology or history or whatever a person is studying, if he's studying it with the understanding this is Allah's khalq, then the person will increase in his khushur. A person will increase in his khashia. And likewise, when a person is studying the Qur'an and the sunnah, realizing that this is Allah's law, this is what Allah likes, this is what He said, then this will increase him in khashia. So the true alim is who? The one who fears Allah. The true alim is one who acts upon the knowledge he has. He knows his mistakes. Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu anhu, he said, لَيْسَ الْعِلْمُ بِكَثْرَةِ الْحَدِيثِ Knowledge is not by knowing many hadith. وَلَكِنَّ الْعِلْمُ عَنْ كَثْرَةِ الْخَشْيَةِ But knowledge is that in which is much fear of Allah. Meaning knowledge is by fear of Allah. The more fear a person has of Allah, the more knowledge he has. This is why another scholar, he said, مَن لَمْ يَخْشَ فَلَيْسَ بِعَالِمٍ The one who doesn't have fear of Allah, he's not an alim. Mujahid said, إِنَّمَا الْعَالِمُ مَنْ خَشِيَ اللَّهِ Indeed, the knowledgeable person is only the one who fears Allah. When somebody was asked that who is the most knowledgeable person in the city of Medina? You know, the best scholar, the most knowledgeable one, because I want to go and learn from him. And he said, أَتْقَاهُمْ لِرَبِّهِمْ Who am I to judge who's most knowledgeable? Right? The most knowledgeable is the one who fears Allah most. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, By Allah, I am the most knowledgeable amongst you, and the most fearful, the most submissive to Allah amongst you also. He was akhshahum. Right? The one who had the most khashiyah. Why? Because he was the most knowledgeable. When it comes to the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, إِنَّمَا يَخْشَ اللَّهَ مِنْ عِبَادِهِ Who is it that really fears Allah? People of knowledge. And which knowledge is this? Which knowledge is this? Knowledge of deen? What was this whole discussion about? Knowledge of what? of the shara and the khalq. Alright? With the understanding that this is Allah's speech, Allah's law, and this is Allah's creation. Then even the study of insects can increase you in your fear of Allah. And the study of hadith can increase you in your fear of Allah. But if we study hadith as, oh, I need to know this so I can show I know, then this will not increase in knowledge. This will not increase in khashiyah. 
اِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَتْلُونَ Which people are described over here? Those who recite the book of Allah. When? أَنَا اللَّيْهِ وَأَطْرَافَ النَّهَارِ وَأَقَامُوا الصَّلَاةَ And they also established the salah. How? Regularly. Because salah, that is an evidence that a person has fear of Allah. وَأَنْفَقُوا مِمَّا رَزَقْنَاهُمْ سِرًّا وَعَلَانِيًا And they also spend out of what Allah has given them openly and also secretly. سِرًّا secretly عَلَانِيًا Openly. Why do they spend secretly? Why behind a veil, anonymously? Why? To be safe from? Riya. And why openly? Why alaniya? To encourage others. So as per need, they spend secretly, openly, whatever the situation allows for them. But what does it show? They don't refrain from spending. Because sometimes we have an opportunity to give in the way of Allah. But we say, oh, everybody's looking. I'm not going to give right now. And what happens? We say, okay, I'm going to give it later. And later never comes. Right? So, sirran wa alaniya, what does it show? Every opportunity, they give in the way of Allah. Because, you see, when a person has khashiyah of Allah, when he has fear of Allah, then he doesn't care whether anybody's looking or not. He's doing it for the sake of Allah, so he'll do it. Sirran wa alaniya. So such people, يَرْجُونَ تِجَارَةً لَن تَبُورَ They hope for a tijara, they expect a tijara, a trade, a bargain, with who? With Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is such a trade, لَن تَبُورَ That will never perish, that will never bring them any loss. That will never get ruined. Tabur, بَوَوْرَ We read the word yabur earlier. وَمَكْرُ أُولَٰئِكَ هُوَ yabur. And what does bawar mean? Destruction, and it's especially when something gradually gets destroyed, gets ruined. Like, for example, a person starts a business; he starts selling something, and what happens? That all the stuff that he bought, it's in stock, but nobody wants to buy it. You understand? So, what's going to happen? Gradually, every month he's going to go into debt, 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 until he will go bankrupt. Right? Or for instance, somebody starts a business, he has a shop, and what happens? A fire. And there's no concept of insurance. So, what's going to happen? His business? Finished. Tabur. So you understand? Bawar is destruction when something gradually reduces, or when something completely gets destroyed, so that a person cannot benefit from it even a little bit. But over here, what does Allah say? That those who recite the book of Allah, yatluna kitab Allah. They recite the book of Allah. Tilawa lafziya, tilawa ma'nawiya, tilawa amaliya. And they pray salah as well. They worship Allah. And they also give the haq of people. They spend in the way of Allah. Such people, they have entered into a trade with Allah that will never decline. From which they will never ever suffer any loss. It's risk-free. You understand? Risk-free. If you ever want to invest your money somewhere, they tell you all the risks that are involved. This might happen. That might happen. But this investment, what is it? Risk-free. لِيُوَفِّيَهُمْ لِيُوَفِّيَهُمْ Lam over here is of aqibah. It is of consequence.
Meaning for their investment, what's going to happen? يُوَفِّيَهُمْ He will give them in full. Meaning Allah will give them in full أُجُورَهُمْ Their rewards, their wages. Plural of the word, أَجْر. وَيَزِيدَهُمْ And He will increase them مِنْ فَضْلِهِ Of His bounty. Meaning He will give them He will reward them for what they have done and He will also give them more from His special favor. Meaning the reward, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving the reward, then that reward is multiplied many, many times. لِيُوَفِّيَهُمْ أُجُورَهُمْ وَيَزِيدَهُمْ مِنْ فَضْلِهِ Why? Because إِنَّهُ Indeed He is غَفُورٌ Most forgiving and He is also شَكُورٌ Appreciative. Allah is غَفُور Very, very forgiving. And He is شَكُور Very, very appreciative. He is the forgiver of sins, the forgiver of mistakes. And He is شَكُور One who appreciates the obedience of His servants. One who appreciates the efforts of his servants, whether they are big or they are small. When a person strives for the sake of Allah, when a person takes even one step towards Allah, then that doesn't go waste at all. Because near Allah, an effort that is done for the sake of Allah is never ever wasted. It always has value. إِنَّهُ غَفُورٌ شَكُورٌ وَالَّذِي and that which أَوْحَيْنَا we have revealed إِلَيْكَ to you مِنَ الْكِتَابِ of the book meaning that book which we have revealed to you O Prophet وسلم, and which book is this? the Qur'an Allah says هُوَ الْحَقُّ it is the truth this kitab which we have given you is the truth the ultimate truth that which is free of any doubt, that which is free of any errors, any mistakes, any falsehood, it is al-haq, the ultimate truth. So should you not strive to receive it, to understand it, to practice it? It is musaddiqan, one that confirms. What does it confirm? Lima bayna yadayi, for that which is before it. Before it, meaning for those scriptures that were revealed before the Qur'an. Those scriptures that were revealed before the Qur'an. And which scriptures were revealed before the Qur'an? The Torah, the Injil, the Zabur, the Suhuf Ibrahim, and any other scripture that Allah has revealed before the Qur'an, then this Qur'an confirms it. In Allah, indeed Allah, bi'ibadihi with His servants, He is lakhabirun, surely acquainted, and He is basir, He is seeing. Khabir is one who is aware of the inward and the outward aspect of something. So Allah is khabir of His servants, meaning He knows exactly what they need to learn. And He is basir, He sees them. Meaning he sees what they are doing upon learning what he has revealed. So this Qur'an that Allah has revealed is haqq. How is it haqq? Because Allah is khabir. He knows what his servants are in need of. And once the servants have received this book, then what they do? What kind of tilawa they do? What kind of amal they do? What kind of salah they perform? What kind of infaq they do? Then Allah is basir of that. Allah is watching that. Summa then, awrathna, we cause to inherit. Awrathna, from the root letters, wawratha. Warith, who is warith? One who inherits. 
So basically this is inheritance. ثُمَّ أَوْرَثْنَا الْكِتَابِ Then we caused to inherit. What is it that we caused to inherit? الْكِتَابِ The book. Which book is this? The Qur'an. Meaning that now we have given the scripture and here the scripture is the Qur'an. Who is it that we have given the scripture to? الَّذِينَ اصْطَفَيْنَا مِنْ عِبَادِنَا Those whom we have chosen from among our servants. The word istafayna is from the root letters. Sadfa, wow. And istafa, yastafi, istifa is to choose, to select someone. So we chose some of our servants. And now we have caused them to inherit the book. We have caused them... We have made them the heirs of the book. Which book? The Qur'an. Meaning, those servants who have been given the Qur'an have been chosen by Allah. This is Allah's favor upon these servants that Allah has given them the book. Because if you think about it, what makes anyone deserving or worthy of Allah's gift? Any, any servant, any creature. What has that creature done? Or what is that creature after all that he thinks he is deserving of a favor from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Because we are all his creation. Isn't it? We learned earlier in the same surah that Ya ayyuhan nas antumul fuqara'u ilallah. You've done no favor to Allah. You are actually needy of Allah. And Allah is the one who has done all the favors on you. So, ثُمَّ أَوْرَثْنَا الْكِتَابَ الَّذِينَ اصْطَفَيْنَا مِنْ عِبَادِنَا Allah has given this book to those servants whom He has chosen. This is why we learn in hadith that مَنْ يُرِدِ اللَّهُ بِالْخَيْرًا يُفَقِّهُ فِي الدِّينَ Whoever Allah wishes good for, He gives him the understanding of their religion. So if someone has been given the understanding of their religion, if someone has been given the Qur'an, then this is a huge gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And, and before we continue, I want you to notice the word awrathna. What's the root of the word awrathna? Wawratha. What does it mean? An inheritance. Just think about it. Some property. Like for example, a house. Alright? Somebody received it as inheritance. It belonged to their family. Right? A particular family member, when they passed away, now they're gone. And so they have received it as inheritance. Now it belongs to them. It's with them. But what does it mean? Will it stay with them forever? What's going to happen? One day, they too will die, and that property is going to be someone else's. So inheritance, by definition, is that which is taken, and then after some time, it is passed on. It is received, not because you are very great, it's just because you happen to be someone's relative. And there's no effort of yours over there, no accomplishment of yours over there. It's truly your luck, you can say, right? So it's received, but it means it's also going to be passed on. So the book, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given it to some people. They have it right now. But it means that they must also pass it on to others. It's the right of the future generations that the book is passed on to them. That the Qur'an is given to them. So ثُمَّ أَوْرَثْنَا الْكِتَابَ الَّذِينَ اصْطَفَيْنَا مِنْ عِبَادِنَا فَمِنْهُمْ So among them, meaning among those who have been given the book. And who are the people who have been given the book? It's basically the Muslim Ummah. 
the Ummah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Like we learn in Surah Al-Baqarah, that وَكَذَلِكَ جَعَلْنَاكُمْ أُمَّةً وَسَطًا لِتَكُونُوا شُهَدَاءَ عَلَى النَّاسِ So Ummah Wasat, this is min ibadina. Who are our servants who have been given the book? It's the Ummah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Those who believe in the Qur'an. But then everyone upon receiving this inheritance does not treat the inheritance the way the inheritance deserves to be treated. He does not benefit from that inheritance the way he can actually benefit. This is similar to how there's one person who receives a house, for instance, some property. He takes care of it, renovates it, all right, and sells it, and then he makes such a huge profit off of it. All right. Another person, he doesn't really care about it, closes the doors, locks up the house, and the house is just sitting, sitting, sitting. After 10 years, you see that it's been broken into, it's a total mess. So he didn't really value it. He didn't really get much out of it. So people, depending on what they do, depending on what their attitude is, they get out of what they have been given different benefits. Some get a lot of benefit, and some, they get very little benefit out of it. The property is the same. The gift is the same. But it's up to us how much we get out of it for ourselves. So for minhum, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us about three categories of people. Three categories of Muslim ummah. Firstly, for minhum, so from them, are those who are ظالمٌ لِنَفْسِهِ ظالمٌ لِنَفْسِهِ He does ظلم upon himself. He is unjust to himself. He's been given the book, a huge treasure. He could really get a lot of benefit from it. But what does he do? He does zulm on himself. And what is zulm? Naqs. To, to cause loss. So he harms himself. Meaning he deprives himself. Despite having the book. He has the book, yet he doesn't get much benefit out of it. The second category is of women whom and among them are those who are muqtasid, average, moderate. Muqtasid, from the root letters, qaf, sad, dal. And what does qasd mean? Qasd means to intend. To intend meaning to set a goal and to intend towards that goal. And then iqtasada is to go straight away to that goal. Right? And also it is used for iqtisad is to adopt a middle course. So muqtasid over here means average. Meaning neither too far ahead nor too far behind. Muqtasid, average. The third category is waminhum and among them are sabiqum bil khayrat bi'idhnillah. Sabiq. One that, one that is foremost. Bil khayrat in the good deeds. How? Bi'idhnillah, by the permission of Allah. Sabiqun bil khayrat. From the root letter, sabaqa, seen baqaf. And sabaqa is to get ahead of someone else. Like for example, three people are driving on one road, and one gets ahead. Two people are walking, and one gets ahead. So sabiq is the one who is the foremost. Alright? The one who outstrips others. The one who gets ahead of others. So, وَمِنْهُمْ سَابِقٌ بِالْخَيْرَاتِ بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ And those who are foremost, 
in good deeds by the permission of Allah, Allah says, ذَلِكَ That is هُوَ الْفَضْلُ الْكَبِيرِ It is a great bounty. Meaning it's not an ordinary blessing. It's a great preference that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed them with. That firstly, they've been given the book. And secondly, they have the honor of being ahead of others when it comes to knowledge of the book, when it comes to practicing and when it comes to following the book, they are ahead of others. This is truly a huge favor from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what do we see in this ayah? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given the Qur'an to the Muslim ummah. And then different attitudes of the Muslims are mentioned over here. And each one of us needs to think about who? Ourselves. That how is my attitude with the Qur'an? How is it that I have taken the book of Allah? First group is of those who are ظَالِمُلِّ nafsi. They wrong themselves. They harm themselves. How? They've been given a treasure, but they don't even recognize it. They've been given the book, but they don't even learn it. They don't even recite it. They don't give the haqq of the book, of understanding the book, of reading the book, of reflecting on the book, applying the book, passing it on. No, ظالمٌ لنفسه And the fact is that when a person does not give the haqq of the Qur'an, in reality, who is he harming? Himself. Because he's depriving himself of such a great opportunity. Such a huge, great opportunity. I mean, think about it. Reciting even one letter of the Qur'an brings how much reward? Ten good deeds. So if a person is able to recite the Qur'an, he has the Qur'an, he has the time, yet he does not recite the Qur'an, then whose fault is it? Who is being deprived? He's firstly harming who? Himself. ظَالِمٌ لِنَفْسِهِ and then if a person knows the book, meaning he understands the book, but then he doesn't act upon it, again, who is he harming? Himself. Going against the book, despite knowing what the book says, that is also a form of zulm. So, ظالمٌ لِنَفْسِهِ They do zulm on themselves by depriving themselves of reward. Depriving themselves of what? Of great reward, of great honor. And by going against the book, they're presenting themselves to the wrath of Allah. This is zulm on oneself. This is really being unfair to oneself. The second group is of muqtasid. Muqtasid. Remember that muqtasid is one who is average, but it's also used for something that is neither completely blameworthy, nor is it completely praiseworthy. So amongst them are those who are muqtasid, meaning they perform mixed deeds. Sometimes good deeds according to the Qur'an and sometimes bad, clearly contradicting the Qur'an, going against the Qur'an. You see, when it comes to deeds, we have different levels, right? Like for example, there is that which is fard, wajib, mandatory, meaning we have to do it, right? And then there is another level which is of mustahab, meaning that which is recommended. It's better if you do it, but it's not mandatory if you do it, meaning if you leave it, you're not committing a sin. But definitely you're depriving yourself of great reward. And then there's another level of that which is mubah. Meaning which is okay. If you do it, no reward or punishment. And if you don't do it, no harm. Alright, it's mubah. Then the next is that which is makruh. Makruh meaning that which is disliked. Disliked. And then after that is that which is forbidden, haram. 
Alright? So, ظَالِمٌ لِنَفْسِهِ is the one who is leaving the wajib. Alright? And he is committing the haram. He is leaving the mustahab and he is doing the? Doing the? What's the opposite of mustahab? Makruh. Good. And the time goes in mubah. Alright? You know, for example, mubah is like, okay, you're just sitting, for instance. You're just sitting, staring, staring at the wall, thinking about what? What should I wear? Should I wear this or that? Or this or that? I don't think that'll look nice. I don't think that'll look nice. And then you've just been sitting there, staring at the wall, thinking about which dress to wear, and you've spent 45 minutes just thinking. Just thinking. Those 45 minutes, what are they bringing you? They're not really bringing you sin because technically you didn't think of anything haram. You didn't say anything haram. But at the same time, they're not really bringing you any reward either. You just killed, destroyed 45 minutes of your life. You understand? So this is also a form of zulm on oneself. That a person is leaving what is wajib, alright, leaving what is fard, committing that which is haram, leaving what is recommended, doing that which is makruh, and spending majority of their life doing what? Mubah. This is zulm on oneself. The second category, muqtasid. Muqtasid, who? Those who perform mixed deeds. Yes, sometimes wajib, sometimes makruh, haram. Alright? A mix, a mix of deeds. So, faminhum muqtasid. Like for example, yeah, sometimes a person recites the Quran, but majority of the time no, and majority of the time there's, they are talking about things which are wrong. Alright? Or listening to things which are wrong, or doing things which are wrong. And muqtasid can also be understood as someone who does good himself, but then he does not pass it on, he does not convey it forward. Then the third category is of sabiqum bil khayrat, bi'idhnillah. Those who get ahead of others, outstrip the others, in doing good deeds. How? Getting ahead of who? The zalim and the muqtasid. Meaning they take the lead in performing good works. They learn the book and they act upon it and they also pass it on. They don't just perform the wajib, they also perform the mustahab. They don't just leave the haram, but they also leave the makruh. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us of three types of people in this ayah. And the Muslim ummah is divided into these three categories. Firstly, those who wrong themselves, deprive themselves, harm themselves. Secondly, average. And thirdly, those who hasten in good deeds. So each one of us needs to think about herself, that where do I stand? What is my dealing with the book of Allah? Let's listen to the recitation. أَلَمْ تَرَ أَنَّ اللَّهَ أَنزَلَ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ مَاءً فَأَخْرَجْنَا بِهِ ثَمَرَاتٍ مُخْتَلِفًا أَلْوَانُهَا وَمِنَ الْجِبَالِ جُدَدٌ بِيضٌ وَحُمْرٌ مُخْتَلِفٌ أَلْوَانُهَا وَغَرَابِيبُ سُودٌ وَمِنَ النَّاسِ وَالدَّوَابِ وَالْأَنْعَامِ مُخْتَلِفٌ أَلْوَانُهُ كَذَلِكَ إِنَّمَا يَخْشَى اللَّهَ مِنْ عِبَادِهِ الْعُلَمَاءِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ 
غفور ان الذين يتلون كتاب الله واقاموا الصلاه وانفقوا مما رزقناهم سرا وعلانيه يرجون تجاره لن تبور لِيُوَفِّيَهُمْ أُجُورَهُمْ وَيَزِيدَهُمْ مِنْ فَضْلِهِ إِنَّهُ غَفُورٌ شَكُورٌ وَالَّذِي أَوْحَيْنَا إِلَيْكَ مِنَ الْكِتَابِ هُوَ الْحَقُّ مُصَدِّقًا لِمَا بَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ ഫീറോത്തിന ذلك هو الفضل الكبير